Uh, I, I was just crying during the worship. I don't know why. I think I know why, but I just don't know why. <laughs> this is, to be honest, we often don't know why we react the way we do. And just praying, just sensing the tenderness of God in our midst and just Him having His, his way with us. And I think that's, that's beautiful. Uh, I, I could sit down and go home and have coffee, but I, I know there's more that God still wants to do. And I'm trusting that I can bring something of that through the Word tonight. And uh, it feels like a bit of an odd topic to talk about now after that beautiful worship. But I'm, I'm basically going to carry on where Malcolm left off. It was, wasn't kind of planned that way. But he touched on the word integrity. And uh, I just felt to, to talk about integrity today, tonight, um, because we're in the long run. This is not a little 10-meter sprint, and we'll just uh, see how it goes and whatever. But we're in the long run. And for me, there are certain things that, as leaders, we need, um, and also potential leaders, and where we're going into the future. This thing of integrity, for me, is, is a key thing. And when I look at, at integrity, while well, I was just... Just before I came up, I just thought, like, you know, this is not about how, how good you are and how well you behave. This is about how good he is and how, how good he works through you to demonstrate himself of who he is, the, the values and the principles that we get out of the Word of God. Because let's face it, that's where we find true integrity. Amen? The world's got a lot of stuff to offer and say, like, that's good behavior. Okay, that gets a stamp. Now I'm saying, like, godly, true integrity are found in the Bible. So when it comes to discipling and our walking with people, I want to always reference them not to the way I think you should do it because I do it that way, but because I've learned it from others. You've taught me from the Word of God, so I can pass that on to you, the little story of Paul saying, I'll pass it on to Timothy, and then Timothy passes it on to somebody else, and then another guy. Like four levels of discipleship going on there. Goodness me. That will take a lot of time. <laughs> Amen? It's going to take a lot of time working with four kind of, not just people, but also generations, passing it on to your kids, and they pass it down further down the line. But it's because it's a long run. And that's why I wanted to talk about this, because, I mean, you read the news as much as I do. And there are some guys out there that are struggling, struggling in ministry, struggling as believers, people that are compromising on their integrity and their walk with the Lord. And it grieves my heart. I don't feel like any better than them. I just say, like, thank you, Lord, for your grace. I don't want to say, like, oh, look how he copped out and look how he fell and whatever else. Yeah, we knew that, whatever else, celebrities and big names and all that kind of thing. I just think, like, thank God that I live every day by his grace. And there are decisions that, that I make for my own life that have to do with integrity because I want to honor God and I want to protect myself. I want to protect my marriage I want to protect the fellow believers and people that I'm leading in the church. Um, they deserve somebody who chooses to live with integrity. And I'm not perfect, but I, you make mistakes here and there as you go along. We're all human beings. But the reality, yeah, we do. Only my wife can say that. But as we go along, we, we just grow in this area more and more that the convictions of who we are in Christ, the value systems, the principles of God's Word, they just become stronger and stronger in me that when we face certain things, and believe me, the world's going in the direction where it's almost demanding us to be compromising on our, uh, our integrity because it says, like, you should be coming with us in the way that the world's going. And I've unfortunately seen in the last period of time as well just people just falling away. And I'm thinking, like, you've got to be kidding me. You, you were serving the living God. You, you know, you, you, you met Jesus. You've, you've been born again. You're saved, and you choose that way. 
And it's just the, the pressure of, of the, the, the so-called world system, of its value system. It just says, like, it's far better down that road than this one. Come on, you know, why do you want to go for this one? You're missing out on all the fun, and you're missing out on all the, the things that the, the world has to offer. And in the middle of this world, we've been called to be children of the light. And people are watching us all the time, whether you like it or not. As a believer, they're watching you. I remember when I went in to do my national service, I was a born-again believer when I went into national service. It was compulsory for us to go in South Africa. And I remember I carried my guitar case with me, and on my guitar case were just stickers everywhere. I love Jesus. He is Lord. Get saved. Be born again. I don't know. They don't sell the stickers anymore so much. But anyway, you only get a little fish that you stick on the back of your car now. <laughs> oh, it's a bit early now. But I just had stickers all over the place. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to send a very clear signal who I believe in and where I stand. I didn't want to compromise my integrity by saying, like, hey, we can do things like this and do things like that. And I just realized right there and then I was in a place where I could shine Jesus. And there were times where we would just worship in the tent when we were deployed somewhere. And there was a pub straight across from the place where we would sit and worship at night. There was about four or five of us other believers, and we'd be yelling our hearts out, oh, praising Jesus. And the guys in the pub, they, they started to say, like, what is it that you guys are doing? Because you guys are singing louder than the music in our pub. And I said, we're praising Jesus. Come have a look, you know. And slowly but surely, people were coming out of the pubs, guys that had backslidden, saying, like, just repent. I want Jesus back in my life again. And I'm thinking, there we are just having fun, praising Jesus. We didn't want to compromise and say, like, oh, we're just going to go down that road with you guys and do the things that you do. No, we made a stand for who we are in Him and to show how good He is in us and through us. And in that way, we're that fragrant offering to the world. And we have a message to give. But it is going to ask something of us because we have a long road ahead of us. I really felt strong again, like I said this morning. I feel, I feel challenged about, hey, you know, I'm not landing for retirement at some stage. I, I just feel like the best is still yet ahead of us. And I want to be in that statement where Paul said, I've fought this fight, I've finished this race, I've kept the faith. I want to be that guy that crosses that line and says, yes, I did that by the grace of God. But also because we're holding to the values and the principles that are in God's Word about who we are, that we don't fake it out there. Integrity, as it is explained, is, it means a unit of one. It means one. It means the, word comes, the English word integer comes from the word integrity. It means one. It doesn't mean two. It doesn't mean 1.5. 1.2. It means one. So in other words, what it is explaining it as is that integrity has to do with one thing. It doesn't have to do with a whole bunch of different ways that you can be and call that integrity. Now, some guys have explained it this way, is that they... So it's like a pizza. You just chop your life into pizza. I don't know, some of you that do just quarters. <laughs> some of you do eights, and you know, you chop up your pizza. But all these little compartments that are in your life, we just say like, okay, when I'm with that group of people, that's the way I am. But then when I'm with that group of people, that's the way I am. 
I know when I come to church, then that's the way I am. And then when I go to work, that's the way I am. Oh, when I'm at home, my wife thinks like, you're not that guy I see on Sundays. Who's this guy that's living with me at home? I want that guy back that I see on Sundays. Integrity means one. It doesn't mean eight pieces or one life. And every time you're a different person in different places. That word consistent came up. Is that a thing of consistency. That we stay consistent in the long run of where we're going. And who are we taking with us in that uh, consistency. I've a, we have the privilege of leading a very young church. We're probably amongst the oldest in the church. At one stage, the average age of our church was 25 years old. And now that uh, Darwin just gave joined, it's now gone up to 15. <laughs> the medium age has gone up. But they, they, they were looking for something. And I hope that we were able to show them something and give them something. To say, like, we aspire to be like those guys. And that requires something from you as a leader, that you are an example to those people because there's so much stuff out there that's being spoken about what's right and what's wrong, what's truth and what's lies, what's real and what's fake. That actually there are so many voices out there that are so confusing our generation. Like, who do we believe out there anymore? I'm in that little category as well sometimes. thinking like, who do we believe now? We've got these 10 voices that are all saying this thing. They've all got different opinions about everything. Who do we believe in all of this? And then in the middle of this, there's the church of Jesus Christ. And I hope we're not confusing. I hope we bring clarity. I hope we are clear in our message. I hope we're clear about who we believe in and what journey we're on and why we exist and what we're about. And you will get some opposition for that statement and that place that you want to take in our society. But I want to be that leader. The young folk can say, like, I, I want to be like Alex, because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to model his marriage. I want to model his life, his disciplines, his sacrifice. I want to, I want to follow that guy. Not because I want a whole bunch of guys right behind me, but you know what I'm saying. That there's an example that I can give to the church that we lead as a leadership team, but also to the youngsters that are saying, like, we need some direction, we need some discipleship, and we need some help about where we're going. We're confused. There are too many voices out there. Yeah. And that we can, with integrity, bring a message, not to tickle ears, but to say, guys, really, you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, this is what it's going to cost you. And not bring a watered-down gospel where we're just continuously saying, like, well, we just want to make sure everybody's okay, and we are politically correct. Sorry, I'm talking fast, Fred. And then you see, but just that we are not always politically correct and making sure everybody's happy with everything that we say. We say, you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's go to the Word of God and see what that actually asks of you to be a follower of Christ. This is where I find integrity. This is where I find it. People say, how can I grow in integrity? Here we go. Here it is here. This is my life manual. This is my marriage manual. This is my leadership manual. This is my COVID-19 manual. I couldn't find one for a little while. <laughs> so like, who wrote that book? Somebody didn't tell us about it. On what page do they say what happens when all of a sudden you get told to close your meetings down? Uh, chapter 4 and chapter, uh, verse whatever else in that book. No, I just went back to the Word of God. And I said, Lord, we're facing decisions right now. We don't want to make a decision that lacks integrity. We want to be true to what we believe, who we are as the church of Jesus Christ, and make our decisions around what you are saying to us. 
through your word. It was as simple as that. I said, God, you lead me. There's all these advices out there, but you lead us. And it was funny. We just started praying as an eldership team. And then God led two of us to exactly the same scripture. And it was so clear. That's the way forward. Boom. There we were. And off we went again. It wasn't all easy. But the reality is that God was speaking to us because he said, like, we, we don't want to just compromise our integrity. We want to compromise our message. We don't want to compromise our way and who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. We want to be one in our thinking. We want to be one when it comes to where God is leading us. So David, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, in Psalm 78, verse 70 to 72, he chose David his servant. Oh, that's really small. Can you read it? I did this on my iPhone while I was traveling, so that's what's probably that small. It all looks small in my iPhone. But anyway, Psalm 78, verse 70 to 72. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. And this passage of Scripture has always intrigued me. I've always said, like, I want to adopt this heart. I want to be this guy with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. And skill is something that can get developed with integrity of heart. But there was a heart issue here that God was looking for in who he chose to be a leader, a king. Integrity was right up there. For me, I came across this other passage of Scripture that for me really just describes biblical integrity for me. In Psalm 15, verse 2 to 3, it says there, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. I see in 1 Timothy 3 as well, it's not the scripture that I've got up on the screen here, but we see there that the qualifications for leadership and eldership particularly, that we see these three things coming through that passage of scripture, 1 Timothy 3. It talks about people above reproach. It talks about being respected. And it talks about having a reputation with outsiders. Tell me you don't read integrity in there. Yeah. It's right there. In leadership, integrity is required. I need to know that I'm speaking to the same person that you are when you're out of this building and that you're not somebody else when you walk out these doors or when you go home, how you are at home, how you are at work, that I know, hey, the same Alex I meet here is the same Alex you're going to find at home. I'm all of a sudden, I put on another cap when I'm at home and think like, well, you know what, I've got to behave like this around my wife because if I'm like that, then that, you know? And then when I'm at work, hey, I might get some like comments made if I'm like this, I've got to be like that, I've go, got to go with the guys, I've got to go with where they're going. Above reproach, respected, and a reputation with outsiders. In 1 Timothy 4 as well, we read Paul's charge or Paul's encouragement to Timothy is watch your life and your doctrine. Because if you persevere in them, you'll save not only yourself, but also your hearers. 
I'll read integrity in there again. Marry your doctrine with your life. To take away the one is just say, like, I want my life without doctrine, then I'm saying you basically are taking integrity out of the equation. And saying, like, actually, I'm just going to live my life minus integrity because, you know what, that, that is too hard to keep up because it's, the standards of God are high on these issues. That was an encouragement to him. You can't have a, something that you believe in and have another lifestyle and, and marry those two together and say, like, this is exactly what the Bible is talking about when Paul was talking to Timothy. Amen. I know this might be a bit challenging. I'm thinking, like, oh, we'll just be watching worship. And it's just like this thing's challenging us. But I'm concerned about our long term, our, our long run. That, that we all get across that finish line together. We'll, oh, yes, there's those guys from the equip. You all remember those guys. There we go. We finished strong. We kept the faith. Whoa. You know, just, I don't know. I, 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 I am concerned when I see young people making funny decisions. <laughs> Really, we had decisions thinking like, how did you get to that? Just give me the Bible. How did you get to that? Issues of integrity. I just think like you're making those decisions and that's your girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm hurting a little bit something over. That's okay. It's about integrity. What are people saying behind closed doors? How about you? What's happening there? No, 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 whatever. No, but I don't can't see through the door. I don't have the x-ray vision to see what's happening there. I'm not going to police you either, but you're sending a very clear signal that there's an issue of integrity here. And I have these conversations with some of the young folk in our church. And I say, like, I don't ever want a question mark of integrity over a relationship for me. And I don't want that for you either. Because what message are we sending that actually we, we this life doctrine thing, no, I'll part doctrine or life and part another doctrine. I'm thinking, like, that's the confusion that's coming into some young people's lives, that we can just bring all these things together and we just have this happy life that completely fits into what I want and we drop everything actually that belongs in our relationship with Jesus. And we sacrifice our integrity as a result of that. The opposite of integrity is hypocrisy. Some people are more worried about protecting their reputation by compromising the integrity because they want to be liked out there. They want to be loved. Who doesn't want that? We all want that. We all want to be liked and loved. And hey, there goes that guy. Oh, you know what? If you want to get invited to the party, you're the guy we'll invite because you're the cool dude. Sorry, bad language. You're a cool guy, cool, cool person. Uh, you know, we, we, we sacrifice our integrity to be liked. And I think Jesus also just really made it clear. Like, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we just want everybody to love us. Yeah, okay, if you follow me and you stand up for my ways in this world, not everybody's going to like you. You won't be the first guy chosen to come to the party anymore. Am I going somewhere with this? I hope so. Webster's Dictionary described integrity as incorruptibility and adherence to a moral code and values. It also says it's being sound of moral principle, honest and sincere, which basically just means soundness. Also, it says it's a state of being undivided and complete, unbroken and whole, which speaks about completeness, which is actually also the biblical explanation of it, that it's one, it's complete. Integrity is knowing the truth and living it. What people see is who you should be. 
That's integrity. Integrity is when you say, think, and do are all in harmony. Are we believers? Are we the church of Jesus Christ? Do we believe that? Do we think that? Are we living it out? And then there's a message of integrity that goes out into the world. These people can be trusted. These people have got the truth. These people actually are living out their faith. They're not compromising their faith. They're not compromising their integrity. We, we can trust these people. And we begin to build bridges on our teams and our leadership teams. That, that account, uh, Integrity is also where trust grows. I've noticed that when there's a lack of belief or faith in your leader, hey, that thing of integrity, that bridge starts getting wonky. And you think like, why is things not happening here? Because that level of trust hasn't been built yet because you still have to build credibility to a large degree and integrity with the people that you're leading. Now, I found that when we planted a church, it's not just like, hey, we planted a church, we carry the badge, okay, guys, follow me as I follow Jesus, and we're all on board, yay, happy church, and off we go. No, people take their time, believe me. Dutch are good at that, eh? I'm Dutch, so I can say that. They'll take a year or two before they decide to join your church because they've thought it through. They want to check you out. They are scanning you. You know the thing at the airport? <laughs> You're hiding anything? <laughs> and where are you hiding it? Is this truth that we see in front of us? Are these real people, real leaders? Are they the real deal, the real thing? You may go. You can lead us now. <laughs> Integrity has a deep foundation of moral values that makes us distinctly different to those who don't. Your integrity will always be tested, especially when it comes to the biblical, biblical principles and values by which we live and stand. They'll be tested all the time. Are you prepared to compromise on those things for the sake of reputation or for the thing of temptation that comes along your way? Think like, okay, I will give in to that because of. And then the flesh gets stronger than the spirit. But your integrity gets compromised in some of the decisions that sometimes people can make. Integrity gives us authority to address issues. And by that I mean, um, if I'm going to talk on finances as a leader, and I'm not generous, I don't give, I never give, I never tithe, I never give a cent. It's like, boom, it's mine. That wallet didn't go through the waters of baptism. I took it out and put it on the towel. It didn't get baptized. It didn't, my finances didn't die. It didn't get resurrected in the new life in Jesus. Oh, no, they're my car keys. There's my wallet, there's my towel, there's my life. <laughs> this part was just, oh, I tra -la -la, tra -la -la, I did the right thing, and nothing changed. But when I get to talk about finances, then I need to understand I'm living what the Bible says, how I need to go about my finances. Then I can speak with integrity, and I can speak with authority. So we're addressing things in people's lives. You've got to ask yourself first, how's that thing going with me? When you start talking to people about commitment, or you're talking about, uh, hey, that decision that you made, uh, you know, that, that porno issue that you're dealing with, they're stealing money from your boss, and not paying your taxes, and all that kind of stuff, you know, just make sure that we're in a good place with those things. Otherwise, we will lack authority to address those issues. And then we're thinking, like, why is it still carrying on? Why aren't people making the adjustments? It's an issue of integrity. How's that thing with you? 1 Kings 9. Verse 4 says, oops, I'll jump the gun a bit. 
going to say a couple of things about integrity. This one's going to go a little bit faster. Integrity says, I have no hidden agenda. Integrity says, I'm prepared to open my life to be accountable, especially to those who love me and are closest to me. Integrity is not who people think you are, but who you really are. Integrity says, I'm not hiding anything. Integrity is who we are when nobody's watching. Integrity is when my private life, inverted commas, matches my public life. I think if you're a person of integrity, your private life is kind of, it's not there anymore, because if it's private, who knows what's happening in that private part of your life, if there's no accountability there. So I put inverted commas, but you know what I mean, in your life that's not out there. Integrity recognizes boundaries, that I don't use my authority to get things from people or to manipulate people, not to cross boundaries when it comes to time you spend with people of the opposite sex. For my integrity and for the integrity of our marriage and the role that I play as a leader, I don't counsel women on my own. It's just a simple thing that I did back then. I just heard it said once and I said, yes, that's a great thing of integrity. I don't want to be found behind a closed door counseling a woman. And I think my wife should be saying amen right now. I'm glad you don't do that, Alex, but I'm not hearing anything. I'll talk to her later. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, yeah, I, had, I had an occasion where I was asked to be on top of a list of people that somebody could phone when his wife fell pregnant, or not fell pregnant, when his wife was giving birth. Sorry, I got that the wrong way around. <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah. Let me have a drink of water before I get lashed by Eddie. That if she fell, if she was going to fall, no, hang on. You see, in Dutch, they say, one year before. That's why I'm getting it all mixed up. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so when she would give birth, and uh, the reason why he asked me is because he's a pilot, and he says, like, hey, if it happens when I'm 32,000 feet in the sky, I, I don't know, can you help us out, you know, because we are a little bit more available for things like that every now and again, and then I just remember the one time I got phoned, it's time, and I think, okay, I'm in my car, you know, they're <laughs> going to the hospital, okay, can get out, and off you go, and I'm phoning Michelle, there's a woman in my car, <laughs> and I said to the guy, you know I'm taking your wife to the hospital, right, and I tell you, I'm just covering all my bases, because I'm thinking, like, I don't want no speed camera, poof, there you are, and it gets sent to him. There you with my wife. Hey, what were you doing with my, my wife, you know? So I have those moments. It happens pff, on a, that very, very odd occasion. I think it's happened twice since I've been in the Netherlands. But I just like, I make it a rule of principle. I just don't. If I arrive at an appointment and it's only the girl that's there and there's other people still coming, I would prefer to wait outside the door. And they understand. They get it. And they work with me on this thing because I'm a married guy. I'm a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ. And I know there just are things of integrity that need to be in place. And I know you might think differently on these things, and that's okay. People of integrity will be trusted, and they gain credibility. It takes time. Integrity builds team. Integrity versus a gift I've put here. And that is that you can sometimes get very gifted people, but there's an issue of integrity that might be missing. I would say, rather take people on a journey of, of developing their character 
And for us as well, the journey that we continue to be on is developing our character, that that issue of integrity is there, because what can sometimes happen is that you've got such an anointing and such a gift, but your character is not developing in line with your gift, that actually this thing goes right up there, and everybody wants to see you, and everybody wants you in the church, and everybody invites you to conferences. This is the main dude. But uh, there's an issue of integrity and character that hasn't been developed, and actually the gift can end up crushing you. And that's a horrible thing to see in somebody's life. You think like, whoa, but they were going somewhere. Yeah, they were. But because of an issue of lack of integrity or development of character in people, your gift and your calling can end up crushing you, man, because it demands from you. There's pressure on you the whole time. You get to meet up with the wrong people. They take you down the wrong road, and before you realize it, you're ending up in trouble. Integrity is being honest. Integrity is being transparent. Integrity is about being fair and truthful. That you don't have a personal agenda when you're taking a road with people or you're on a road with people to some place. So like, oh, you know what? I'm only taking you with me because, you know, I don't know, sometimes it happens, my wife doesn't go with me. I know I brought you with, with me because of, you know, I just have to have somebody with me. But you know what? If I would prefer it, I would have preferred to take that person and not you. But since you're the only guy that's available well, the only person that's available, well, I'll take you, you know, I'm thinking like, hey, come on, be real. You know, I've always tried my best to always travel with people, but I always travel with purpose. I say, I want to take people with me because I want them to show them. I want them to learn. I want them to see. I want them to participate and be part of the journey. In that, cell, in that, in that decision-making process, there's also integrity, that we're truthful with people. Why am I taking on this journey? And I, say, I often reference that thing of where Paul uh, asked Timothy, in the midst of the freedom speech of no more circumcision. Sorry, bud. Tough news for you. <laughs> I don't see a discussion carrying on after that in protest of Timothy. And now in our day and, and, our day and age, believe me, I was going to sit with you for months discussing that old process. You what? And there are just sometimes sacrifices that you need to make to go on a journey together wherever God takes you. And sometimes when I'm helping somebody to see something, I'm saying, like, that thing is unhelpful in the journey that we're going on. The fact that you still are smoking pot once a week and we're taking on a journey of discipleship, but that's something you're going to have to let go. Otherwise, what's that? Uh, okay, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, Lance will chat afterwards. I'll pray for you, bro. But just, do you understand what I'm saying? is that you're going on a journey with somebody, if there's obvious sin or there's obvious issues of integrity or there's a, another lifestyle that's going next to the lifestyle that they should be living out as believer, I'm thinking, hey, it's time for circumcision, bud. That old, that old, that old man, he needs to be cut off. You know, circumcision of the heart, bud. You know, it's going to be painful, but Jesus is going to cut away that old crap that's in your life. All that old junk that's there. Dutch, I've got another word, but I won't use it yet. But it's just like there's a circumcision of the heart that takes place because we want to take you on the journey of being like Jesus. And this little piece here just doesn't belong. Are you willing to make that sacrifice, that moment, and take somebody on? can be anything, eh? can be smoking. I once had a guy who used to carry this big wooden cross around his neck. And I was saying, brother, I want to go on a journey with you. But if I go, everybody's going to look at that cross on your, 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 your chest, you know? He said, yeah, but I've been carrying this thing for years and years and years. I said, you know what? You go home and pray about it, bro. You go home and pray about it because I'm not going to tell you to take that thing off. But where are we going? And I'm keen to take you with. That thing is going to be a distraction. People are going to see you immediately as religious. That was that 
thing for that person at that time. I'm not saying everybody that carries a wooden cross, you're religious, okay? Don't say what I'm not saying. But taking people on a journey can sometimes require them to make that sacrifice. How am I doing on time? I'll go and go another two or three minutes. I want to, Eddie, I want to honor Eddie as well, so that he can also just bring to you what he needs to bring. And... Um, One Kings nine, we can go to that scripture. Integrity opens doors and fulfills God's promise and favor. I'm going to read a few scriptures and then I'll end. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne of Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. So here we see that doors will open and God's promises are fulfilled when we choose the road of integrity. Maybe some of you are finding there's certain doors that are not opening. Then it's just time to have a bit of self-reflection. Say, God, is there something that's in my heart, in my life, that's going to destroy me, destroy the people we're trying to reach because of whatever it might be? Take those times and moments before God and search your heart and allow Him to shine the spotlight of His grace upon your life and say, yeah, Alex, there's, there's that thing. That, that's going to cripple you, but that's going to just knock you off your feet and lots of people are going to get hurt because of that thing. Then I'd rather repent of that thing, make it right, be accountable, go and speak to somebody and walk a road with somebody to help me to make sure that I don't go down that road. That's going to destroy. Integrity pleases God and influences the people to act likewise. I love this. In 1 Chronicles 29 verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willing your people who are here have given to you. And I just love this part of David. He's here building the temple, and he, with integrity of heart, said, Here are my riches. Woof. And he did it with a good heart. I'm like, <laughs> I've got to get rid of this. I've got to get rid of that. It's a gift to the house of God. Sheesh, you would do this in their right mind. I'm King David, man. That whole stack over there, that's for me. I will go to the kingly coffers and I'll give that money. My personal wealth, that's for me. I'm building my own house. I'm doing my own thing. It's not about this kingdom. It's about that kingdom. No, he gave, the Bible says, of his personal wealth. And he gave it with integrity and with uprightness. And what happened? Everybody else got on board. Wonderful principle. Hey, just, you want to see this willingness in people? You be willing first. You want to see integrity in lots of people? You be in, integrant. Is there such a word, integrant? Integrous. You be that first. You want to see generosity coming? You give first. You want to see breaking open in your finances, personal finances in the church, follow biblical principles, and people will start giving you money with joy. I've had it once before, where I was preaching in Brazil, and I don't know why at that moment, but people just started throwing money at me. I was on the stage, and I just saw all these, these bills coming there. I thought, what are these people doing? And then the pastor said to me afterwards, no, there was just a, a moment where God just said to people, you need to give this guy some money. And they just threw it as part of their worship and whatever else in the middle of the meeting while I'm preaching, and they're just throwing it onto the stage. I've never, ever experienced that before. Where's this church? Yeah. <laughs> It's in the Amazona. <laughs> you ready to go there? <laughs> Honestly, I was, I, was, I was blown away. I just thought, like, here's a generosity that lives in this church. That's not to do with me. 
There's just something that lives in the heart of this church. They want to give. They want to bless. They're just enjoying the ministry that's going on. I don't know what will happen there. I didn't sit and like, go and talk to everybody. Why did you give that to me? I was thinking, like, hey, God's doing something. That's awesome. Like becomes like. Job 2. We're going to land. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He who is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. When everything is going wrong, how's your integrity doing at that time? Do all the things that you believe in and about God go flying out the window? Or do you come back to the place of like, this is how I know God? Amen? It's an important point that, eh? How do you know God? Because when the test comes... Telling you now your integrity to stick with the Word of God and what you believe to be true is going to get tested. Will you keep your integrity in tough times? In COVID times, will we keep our integrity? Keep our head above water. No, there's more. <laughs> Not just about survival. His wife said to him, verse, verse 9, chapter 2, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. That was her advice to her husband. Drop that guy. <laughs> Drop him. You, this is what you get? Drop him. Verse 5. I will never admit you're in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. Matthew 23, 25 to 26. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Jesus is about integrity. And I'm definitely going to stop here. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Matthew 23, 3, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Jesus, on the issue of integrity, it's not just about your outside, but what's happening on the inside. He's seeing here as well, guys are saying certain things, but they weren't living them themselves. That's integrity, that when we stand here and say, live this thing, but behind the scenes, I'm not living it. It lacks integrity. And people will pick that up. Somebody said it somewhere. I don't know where it was, in the prayer meeting, whatever else. People are going to catch who you are. I think it was you, Malcolm. People are going to catch who you are, not what you say. What lives in your heart? What lives in your spirit? How's that thing with integrity? How's the thing of the biblical principles and values of God's kingdom? Are they living in you? Are you still building with those things? Are you building right? Are we going on the right journey? Because believe me, we have still got decades ahead of us. Maybe less decades for some and more decades for others, but we've got decades ahead of us. I want to know when I cross that line, whew, thank you, Lord. By your grace, we did this thing together. We encouraged each other. We spurred one another on. We challenged one another. We walked the road together because this is about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about your glory, about your honor. And we do this because we love you, not because we're under pressure from an equipped time. You better be people of integrity. No, because we love God and we're passionate about him.